much more short description of this. You see, without bringing in these individual users of copper and you rank them and you come up with the marginal user, they cut it short and just present the, uh, the short version. But why I find it worth our while to go through this is because, as we have seen, there are lots of other examples of the idea of marginality comes in. And it's very useful to see that this is a much more general idea. Not just marginal utility. This was the first example which was studied in detail by Menger and others who were the pioneers of marginalism. This is the word they used to de describe the uh, uh, that uh, period in the history of economics when marginality was, or not margin, marginalism was introduced. But as we see, the same idea comes up again and again and again, and it's very useful to see and give a common description. Because in each case, this idea of ranking people, or ranking goods, or whatever, uh, comes up, and then pick the marginal one and explain the economic phenomenon in this way. So, I, I thought it, it was worthwhile to bring in the concept of marginal utility, which I, as I say, I uh, have the long version for a purpose, because I think it's easier to understand what is happening. So there it is, there was this accumulation process, accumulating gold, accumulating silver, as the, uh, <coughs> the exchange economy developed. And then ultimately the monetary system became this bimetallism. Now then, Something interesting happened, and something which was not altogether uh, healthy or helpful, and that was the fall of bimetal. We had the rise, and then the fall of bimetallism, which was really the demonetization of silver. And this is what happened in the late 19th century. Actually, we can 
put uh, the, the precise date. Uh, it was the year 1873, when silver was demonetized. But it happened in a way which was obscured by different factors. And it's even today not clear what actually happened. There could have been uh, cheating, there could have been coercion, there could have been uh, uh, deception, and the whole story is just very interesting. And I thought we take our time and like a detective story, we try to track down what actually happened. So let me uh, state the bare facts. Fact number one is that there was a war in Europe between Russia and France. I mean, France was a much bigger uh, country. Russia was just a part of what today's Germany is. But uh, Prussia was famous of its military training of soldiers and uh, various wars which Prussia won and uh, of course there's a bone of contention the provinces of Alsace and Lotharingia in French Alsace-Lorraine uh, these two provinces which had both German-speaking and French-speaking uh, populations which lived in peace, but of course the great power influence and greed and so on was uh, made, made these provinces a bone of contention. The, uh, most of the time it was under French jurisdiction and so it was at the uh, beginning of this uh, Franco-Prussian War, uh, which uh, started in 1870. <coughs> Very short war, it <coughs> ended within a year with a complete victory of the Prussians over the French. But actually, the French were the aggressors. They started it. And, uh, but the devastation and the, the defeat on the French side, victory on the uh, Russian side, was overwhelming. And, as one of the consequences, Bismarck, who was the Chancellor of 
Prussia imposed very severe, a very severe indemnity on the French. The figure was actually uh, 5,000 million using the American jargon, it's five billion, right? Five thousand million is five billion. Uh, gold francs, that's what the French had to pay as indemnity to the, to the Prussians. Very huge sum, even by today's standards. Well, in dollar terms, of course, this was 100 uh, sorry, 1,000 million uh, dollars, gold dollars. Uh, and the French were humiliated and they wanted to forget about the whole uh, episode, which also cost them the empire, because Napoleon III was the emperor, and a very shameful thing happened. He was captured by the Prussians. Prussians and uh, the Prussians entered Paris and declared the birth of the German Empire. There's no German Empire before because there was uh, Prussia, there was Bavaria, there was uh, a number of other states. Uh, principalities, uh, certain unions were formed for custom purposes, for military purposes, and so on, but there was no coherent Germany before uh, 1871. I don't want to <laughs> say much more because uh, I am not all that familiar with German history and I could be easily contradicted if I make a <laughs> false statement. But the, the fact, the basic facts I'm not at all uncertain about. The basic fact is that uh, uh, Germany came out victorious and with a lot of gold, a lot of gold. This, uh, one uh, billion dollars in gold coins is, is a lot of gold by any standards. Um, so uh, Bismarck was the leading spirit of all this, uh, building the German Empire and having dreams of greatness, including monetary greatness, decided to call in the uh, silver coins from all the German states, which became part of the empire, and melted down these <coughs> silver coins. And then put it on the market, on the world market. Uh, 
and of course this had the effect of pressure, downward pressure on the price of silver. And there were reasons to assume that the silver price will drop some and then it will stabilize again in terms of gold. But this is not what happened. And there, uh, and there is another story a little late, a couple of years later, and that's where the mystery comes in. Who done it? Who find the culprit of the? And in fact, uh, they were talking about the crime of 1873. Later on in U.S. history, so I, I want to give you this if you haven't heard that story. I find it a fascinating story. And especially because even today we don't know actually what happened. Was it a conspiracy or was it just coincidence? So uh, uh, some people charged openly that it was a crime. So let me give you the story in a nutshell and then we'll have uh, uh, we'll have a coffee break and after the coffee break I continue and then if you have something to add or question or uh, then uh, we could have a good discussion on that. Now the other story has to do with the United States and again a victory took place just like in Europe the uh, Prussians were victorious over the French. In the United States there was this uh, civil war between the North and South. and the North we refer to uh, the Union and the South is the Confederacy. So the Union, the North, issued uh, paper money, irredeemable paper money to finance the war. Actually the same thing happened in the con Confederacy as well. Uh, but the Union retained uh, gold income because uh, a very smart uh, congressman, legislator by the name Spalding <coughs> uh, realized that uh, if the United, if, if the North, the Union, uh, defaults on its debt, which was gold bonded. There were gold bonds in the United States. Internationally uh, used by other countries. If the United States defaulted on the gold bonded obligation, then it will lose its credit and won't be able to fight successfully in this civil war. And he suggested that they should keep collecting custom duties in the form of gold coin. 
and so also some other taxes, excise taxes, which means on, on big ticket items, uh, conspicuous consumption, rich who buy uh, expensive items, they were taxed. There was a tax, sales tax, basically, but not on everything, but on luxury items. So the tax uh, on these called excise tax are also payable in gold coin. And as a consequence, the greenback, which is the name of the paper money of the North, of the Union, was not legal tender because most purposes you could use it to pay, but exceptions were like custom duty and excise taxes and there may have been some others, which uh, is very interesting. Uh, why? Because in most cases paper money is unlimited legal tender, but in this case it wasn't. And it's an interesting question to ask uh, whether this has to do with the victory of the Union in the end. I, I don't know, I would like to know, but I don't know what the Confederacy did. I, I know, of course, that they also used irredeemable money, but whether the government had a gold income in the form of custom duties, I, I don't know. So somebody may take this topic and investigate it and it would be a good, uh, good uh, PhD dissertation, I think. All right, so the uh, North, the Union, was victorious and as a result they kept the greenbacks quite some time, uh, maybe uh, uh, 10 years after the conclusion of hostilities, uh, but they had to decide uh, what the future monetary system would be. And this is what happened in 1873, the Coinage Act was uh, voted on, and the Coinage Act gave a list of silver coins, which uh, were authorized to to strike, and as if by mistake, the silver dollar coin, the one dollar coin, was dropped from that list without any explanation. Now. The trouble was that this was the only standard silver coin because the other silver coins were only subsidiary coins, which means they were not full-blooded 
sorry, full-bodied <laughs> silver coins. They uh, were probably uh, ten percent substandard, whereas the uh, uh, gold dollar was 90% pure silver. The subsidiary coins such as 50 cent piece, 25 cent piece, and the dime, 10 cent, were 80%. So the dollar was the standard. And that meant that the mint was open to silver, that meant that if you took silver to the mint, you would get back the standard coin. So this right to have silver coin extended to just the standard silver coin. Okay? Not to the others. So if you drop the dollar from the list of coins which are authorized, then you in effect demonetize silver. Because the right of the individual to have silver coin, unlimited amount of silver coin that the mint, was cancelled. The silver coins stayed in circulation, but only the treasury could decide how much silver will be coined. And originally, under the Constitution, it's the people who decided that, because they could take more or less silver to the mint every year to coin, not the treasury. And that's, in effect, in the Constitution. The Constitution gives the right to the people to regulate the money supply, not to the bankers. A, a, a very important provision and I might say very wise provision of the Constitution. And then in 1873, they just dropped the silver dollar. As a consequence, demonetized silver, closed the mint to silver, and This led to very great complications, and after the break, I will tell you more. Well, 15-minute break, and back after that. Thanks very much, Professor.